Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. If I trip and fall, you're welcome to laugh because I'll laugh first. I do a lot of walking around when I speak, so excuse the dizziness if you do get dizzy. Guys, my name is Sikom Gweba. I'm from Durbanville, as a blessing it says. Um, I was in your guys' shoes not so long ago, in 2013, when we met. I was doing my master's here at UCT. And, yeah, there, there's just so much I can remember about that time. And, yeah, it wasn't too far, too, too far back. It's about six years ago. And <laughs> so, it's, you see? We're almost like, yeah, so I really, I'm, I'm just privileged to get to share the word with you guys this afternoon. I was practicing afternoon, afternoon, afternoon. It's always morning or evening. Now it's afternoon. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited. If we could go home now, for me, it would be done because everything was said and done during intercession right through to worship into the offering. And God is just that good, guys. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love him so much. Sure. Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I'm sure many of you guys can relate. I remember when I was sitting on that seat, or at that time when I was in my master's year, I'd gone through a time where I had told the Lord, you know what, I'm done serving you. Like, this is just not cool. I got saved in grade nine. And at that time, I had a good time for a good two years, three years. By the time I got to my matric year, I felt like I was the only Christian at school. And at that time, I said, Jesus, I'm I'm not sure if this is what I want. This is very hard for me. And I said, I want to be normal. I'm not sure if you guys can relate to that, but you're like, I just want to be normal. And, and I was 17, then I'm like thinking, God, I've got one more year or two more years of being a teenager. Like, I need to just maximize. I'm going to varsity now. <laughs> so I said, Jesus, Lord, I'm just going to, you know, do my own thing. I love you. I'll see you second half. And I got to varsity my first year and my second year. I was a wreck. Um, just not honoring God with my heart and not honoring him with my life. And, and I, I've, I've, I've been there and I've done that. And I can say so proudly today that I, I would choose Jesus any day. I've been there. I've done it. I've gone through it. And I'm saying I'm choosing Jesus. And, yeah, he's the love of my life. He's the delight of my heart. And I love his presence. And, yeah, I just want to share about Uh, a bit about that today, his presence and his lordship in our lives. And I just want to backtrack quickly to creation. I love the book of Genesis because it gives us such a clear mindset of God's frame of mind when he created us and and just his, his will and his way. And just, yeah, it gives us just such a perfect picture of what the Lord had intended for us as human beings and what he had intended for this world. And When we start off at Genesis, God creates man, and he makes us in his image, right? And 
Yeah, he creates in us out of uh, he creates us out of a place of love and he creates in us a capacity to respond to his love, right? And at that time Adam and Eve were having such a an amazing glorious time in his presence and it's not long before the serpent comes and the serpent actually deceives Adam and Eve. You guys are familiar with this, right? And at that point, Adam and Eve going from a place of intimacy and fellowship with God, walking in his presence, they go into a place of disobedience, rejecting the rule and the reign of God over their lives, rejecting the plans and the purposes that he has for them. And for me, that story is like, it's, it's, it always reminds me of, of even now, it's not the first time that we reject the advances that God makes towards us. It started back then where we thought to ourselves as human beings, no, there's got to be better. There's nothing better and there's nothing safer than being in the presence and in the will of God. So Adam and Eve reject the Lord. And at that point, even that... God, out of his great mercy and, and his kindness and his love for us, he decides. And it, it, it sets a plan in motion for us to actually be redeemed. He sends Jesus. He sends Jesus who offered his own life that we would be brought near, that we would be restored to fellowship, that we would be restored to intimacy that we would know once again what it's like to walk with Jesus, to walk with the Holy Spirit and experience friendship with him. And the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. I, I love Revelations where it gives us a beautiful picture of us in heaven, every tribe and every nation. We're like all bowed down, surrendered to God, like we've been won over by the love of God. Every people, love always wins. Love always wins. And really, that's the story of my life. It's, it's a grace issue. It's a, it's, a, it's a mercy thing. We will never understand it. I don't understand it. But God is so good. He's so good, and, and I specifically want to talk about intimacy and lordship because when I think of that entire story, I think about God's desire and how intimacy has always been the goal. God has always wanted to be with us and share a life with us, and the thing with intimacy and obedience or intimacy and walking in submission to what God has for you is that it's so intertwined. There's no way we can say we have true intimacy with God until we start walking in obedience. It's a challenging one because for years, I thought I had the most brilliant relationship with the Lord because I would sing songs and I would have an amazing time in his presence, but it was shallow. In comparison to what I know now, it was shallow. And when I think about it, the key ingredient that was missing there was obedience. True intimacy is expressed through obedience. 
And that's why the word of God says, and that's why Jesus says that if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So today I really want us to, to think about that. It's all been sung. It's all been sung. God is king and he is Lord over our lives. But more than that, he's establishing his kingdom. He's establishing his kingdom. And he, in his divine wisdom, has decided that he wants to use you and me. Young men and young women who are in intimate relationship with him. And that for me is just so beautiful. And thinking about how the disciples also left everything. They left everything and they offered up their very lives to get to know this Jesus. And uh, I love just the, the, the first and the greatest commandment that speaks to us. And it's the most challenging thing. It says, oh, here, Israel, Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's in Deuteronomy. And the thing is, God has been calling since the beginning of time, has been calling for people that is wholeheartedly surrendered to him. A people that loves him with everything that they are. I'm thinking about this term wholehearted, and it really means with everything. Total, total surrender. And the issue with people, and the issue with me, and the issue with you, every one of us, is that our hearts tend to get divided. Our hearts get divided. We've got one foot in the kingdom, one foot loving Jesus, serving him, one foot in the world, chasing our careers, chasing our boyfriends, chasing our series, chasing our Facebook, our Instagram, our reputations. But God desires everything. He wants everything from us. Without, he wants our total being. That means we love him to the exclusion of everything else. And I can't tell you I know what that feels like standing here because I know I, my own heart gets divided, but I fight. We need to fight for our hearts. And I'll talk a bit about that a bit later. We need to fight for our relationship with Jesus. When we get to a place where friendship with Jesus is the one thing that we value most, we will really know what it feels like to walk in intimacy with him. Relationship or intimacy can only happen in the context of a relationship. So those of us that do not know the Lord, you will never experience intimacy without saying yes to Jesus. 
And I challenge you. Maybe you've been coming to church, you've been trying to see what this is about. Stop window shopping. Buy the thing. Try it on and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> sure. Guys, the goal is intimacy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, so intimacy is about the inner. It comes from the word or the Latin term inamus or intimus. It speaks about us saying yes to Jesus and walking in relationship with him. And hearing him tell us everything about himself. When you walk in intimacy with someone, you're conversing, right? You're sharing dreams. You're sharing your heart. You're sharing desires. And God so wants to share his dreams with us. He so wants to share his will with us. He so wants to share the mysteries of the kingdom with us. But we have to say yes to intimacy. It's a decisive action and it's intentional. We walk it out. It's a journey. But you need to decide. You need to decide that you are prioritizing Jesus. You need to decide that you are choosing Jesus. You need to decide that you're making room for him in your life. It's intentional. And when things get in the way... When things get in the way, you fight. Guys, it is not a beauty pageant. It is a fight. We need to learn to put on our boxing gloves and fight. And what I also love is that God defends our hearts. God is the gatekeeper of our hearts. So as much as we're busy sort of trying and, and fighting and saying, God, show us what's in our hearts that is offensive to you and, and we're saying, yes, Lord, we're yielding to your process of sanctification. Cleanse us, show us. He's, he's doing it because he defends our hearts. He exposes the things that come in through our eye gates and our ear gates and he shows them to us. Sometimes we don't even know we have an issue, but because we have a gatekeeper, because we have a gatekeeper, he will show things to us and you're like, hey, Jesus, I didn't even know this. He's that good. He's the defender of our hearts. Intimacy is not about activities. Intimacy is not about activities. Going in and out of church is amazing. Attending worship is amazing. Prayer sessions, it's amazing. All those things glorify Jesus, but those things are only as good as to the extent that they facilitate intimacy. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. So if going to church and if going to small group and having fellowship and spending time in the Word is not facilitating intimacy, there's a problem. And you need to ask Jesus. <laughs> 
Does he always sit in front? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. God wants us to know him. He knows us inside out and he really desires us to know him. And it's not about knowledge. We know some of the people that know the Bible inside out are atheists, right? They know everything. And the thing about knowledge is that if it's not rooted or linked to intimacy, it fuels pride. And that's not what we're after. We're after intimacy. And that knowledge with intimacy is powerful. Intimacy and really knowing God, genosco, we're talking about experiential knowledge. Not, oh, I've heard about Jesus doing A, B, and C, or I've heard that he is like, I want to know him. I want to know him. I remember going up and down the tunnel in 2013, and yo, that's my favorite place to worship, eh? I'm just worshiping there, and I am just giving my all to Jesus, and and I'm thinking now I've got things on lockdown, hey? I'm back. I'm back. I have come back and I've come to surrender everything. I've given the fight to Jesus because clearly I was messing up my own life. Trying to do things and being in charge of your own life doesn't work, guys. So at this point, I'm singing to the Lord and it's like, great. So I think I'm doing everything right. I'm in Jamie's small group. I was in Jamie's small group. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, everything's perfect. And then I remember walking and doing the thing. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, Siko, there's more. It's like, there's more. I'm doing the church thing. I might even just be going on a mission, you know, like, there's more. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, if there's more, I want it. If there's more, I want it. And God never fails to respond because the word of God says that if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. And I said, God, I want to see them more. I said, Lord, I said, I want to see more. And I remember him saying to me, like, uh, there's that song, come away with me. Do you know that song? But it's, it, it speaks about how it's going to be great. It's going to be, it's like it's going to be wild. It's going to be full of me. And I was playing that song down that tunnel. Eh, and I'm playing the song and I'm, God, I'm like, it's going to be great. It's going to be wild. It's going to be full of Jesus. And then something in me said, God, what does full of you look like? Because I'm not sure. And I was just looking up the word full. The word full speaks about being full to the brim. There's no empty space. When God fills you in the inside and what is inside of you begins to express itself on the outside, then you're full of Jesus. And at that point in time, I thought to myself, um, it's going to be full of activity. Mm -mm. In hindsight, I was so wrong, <laughs> and I'm glad I was. I'm so glad I was. It's full of him filling me inside out, and it's been so beautiful. 
It's been so beautiful. If you would have told me six years ago that I would be seeing people get healed and, and, and seeing people get saved and set free at my work, at my church, I would have told you you're lying. Because <laughs> for me, full was going to church, doing the activities, doing the thing that needs to be done. Guys, there's so much more. There's so much more, and God wants that for us. Jesus didn't die so that we can come to church religiously every Sunday. Jesus didn't die so that we can come hang out and have a good time. Because we hang around at church, eh? I remember sometimes I used to just pop in and out. We know more. So, I, yeah, I, I see that. I see that. <laughs> Everyone's trying to see who am I saying. No, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Guys. There's so much more than just hanging around at church. The kingdom is full of mysteries. Some we will never understand until we see Jesus face to face. But as long as I live, and, and I want you as long as you live, that we keep pursuing intimacy with him. We keep pursuing his presence. The reason most of us do not know the reality of God's presence is our life in our life is because we don't have intimacy. We are not pursuing intimacy. And I I know some of us have been. I know some of us in this room, God showed me that some of us have really been seeking the Lord. Some of us have really been running after the things of God. Yet, we still don't know what it's like when he's in the room. We don't know what it's like to actually just be with him and connect with his presence. And we've been saying, God, I really want to see your face. And I'm here to encourage you. Do not grow weary of seeking his face. Do not grow weary of seeking his presence. God is faithful, and you will see harvest in this area. If you have been discouraged and disappointed because you've been doing the things that need to be done and your heart has been right, and you still don't, you don't know him. And, and I know sometimes we say, we don't feel him. Or, no, we, we can't hear his voice. There's all these things. And these things have put shame on us. So we keep doing the things that need to be done. Because it's shameful now to come to church inside out every Sunday. But you know that you don't know what it's like to connect with God and worship. And that shame is going today. Because shame gets in the way of us in intimacy with God. The word of God tells us to step boldly into the throne room of grace. God gives us everything that we need. And I really want to pray for us later, for anyone who has actually, it might be one person, it might be a few people, but who has really been feeling a sense of shame by the fact that they can't connect with the Lord. And I'm trusting that something would break. We were speaking about lordship earlier. 
and even on my way here, God was just telling me about how things are going to bow down today. Things are going to get out of the way. Things that have been standing in the way of intimacy are getting out of the way. Things that have been standing in the way of your obedience to God are getting out the way. Because as we prayed in intercession, God has plans and purposes for our lives. His plans and his, his intentions towards us are good. And they're so much better than anything we can fathom on our own. So I know there are disciplines that we apply in our lives. We read the word and I love the word of God. I love the word. I love the word. And, and for most of my, my growth in, in the walk, uh, in, in sort of my Christian walk, I, I couldn't access much of what God was giving me until I started learning to actually pursue what God says in his word. Because when God says something in his word, then you start seeing him confirming it in reality. And it's not always, I'm not saying that's always the case. But the beautiful thing, when I started pursuing God and saying, God, your word says you're healer. Your word says you're healer. And I was like, I'm not after any big thing. All I want is to know that you're a healer. And God blew my mind. <laughs> he blew my mind. And the issue with not knowing the word of God and not knowing who he is through his word is that it limits our understanding and our experience of him quite a lot of times. And God obviously is, he's not necessarily confined to all those things, but a lot of times people know the name of Jesus, but they don't know that he's Jehovah Rapha. People know the name of Jesus, but they don't know that he is Shalom. They know the name of Jesus, but they don't know that he's the comforter. Like these things are all locked up in the word. And if you read the word of God, you begin to understand and see him for who he really is. And you can proclaim and speak the word over your life and see those things in the word come to pass in your own life. I'm challenging you. Read the word for yourself. I know it's good to listen to Matthew preaching, Jamie, or Siko, whoever, but read the word for yourself and see him unlock treasures in the word, things you didn't even know were there. And the other thing I really want to emphasize is around his presence. His presence. I've found two things in my life. Beyond the reading of the word, beyond the prayer times, beyond the worship and the praise, because all those things awaken us to his presence, right? God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's right here. Right now, even before we walk through this door, he was holding everything together in this place. He's holding us, every fiber of our being together. He's omnipresent everywhere at the same time. He's imminent. He's inside of you. And when you get the revelation of his presence and you walk in the revelation of his presence, it changes your life.
It changes the way you do things. You know you're not just watching a movie on your own because God is inside of you. So you better check what you're watching. God is inside of you when you're fellowshipping. Those dodgy friendships, they have to go because God is inside of you. We need to be unlocked. We need to start understanding the reality of his presence in our lives. We need to practice his presence. That's through the word. That's through worship, recognizing him. Becoming conscious and aware of the fact that he is here. One of the songs that have still raked me today is, is Matthew's song, God is here. I was just like, yo. <laughs> Hallelujah. If we could just be awakened to his presence, it changes everything. And when we learn to practice his presence and we learn to walk in his presence and we begin to understand that all of life is spiritual because we tend to separate things, eh? Okay, I'm going to watch a movie now. Now I'm going to church, so I'm spiritual now. Oh, it's schizophrenic, seriously. Okay, now I'm going to quickly chill with my friends that are saved, so I'm a little bit spiritual. Now I'm chilling with my friends that are not saved, so now it's not a spiritual thing. All of life is spiritual. All of our lives is worship. And we need to start walking in that reality. When the Lord told me in my honors year, or oh, I can't remember, maybe that third year, fourth year, like, Siko, the series must go. The music must go. I, I miss Celine Dion. And I'm really trusting the Lord will really just say, Siko, you can listen to her again. Oh, Bon Jovi. I'm not sure if there's anything good in that music. Like, there's really some beautiful song. I even tried to say that one time to the Lord. Thank you for loving me. That's a Bon Jovi song. I'm like, God, I'm singing this to you. Like, seriously. <laughs> This song is so beautiful. God, listen to it. We need to learn to obey. Because at that time, those things weren't good for me. Those series weren't good for me. They took off my eyes from the thing that mattered most. And that's Jesus. And it brings me to the point of what I, I call protecting his presence in our lives. We need to learn to protect his presence. Now, God doesn't need our protection. Like his presence, not like I'm, I'm looking at it from the, oh, we're protecting God's presence. God's way too big for that. But what I'm saying is there are things in our lives that the enemy uses to rob us of his presence. And if we don't become aware of those things, then we're in trouble. So we have to say, God, here's my heart. Show me. What, it, what is it in me that offends you? What is it that I'm doing that offends you? 
The word says that we must be holy because you are holy. So Lord, show me. I want to become like you, God. So show me, sanctify me. Make me like you, Jesus. He wants to set us apart for his purposes and his plans. He wants to use us as vessels of honor. And if we keep on allowing these things in our lives to come and rob us of his presence in your life, you miss out on all that he has for you. If you want to be who God has called you to be, you need to start pursuing intimacy. Everything is locked up in intimacy. The fullness of your purpose, the fullness of your identity is locked up in intimacy. We need to pursue him. It's not a fluffy concept. It's not a fluffy concept. Intimacy has real issues uh, or real consequences for the kingdom. Not just your life, but the kingdom. Because to the extent that you grow in your intimacy is the extent that you will grow in obedience. And that is to the extent that you will grow in maturity. And that is to the extent that God will actually allow you to be responsible for other people. But we're so satisfied with just following Jesus. We, we don't mind about not being wholehearted. We're just fine. We're content with following. It's wholehearted following, not just following. Wholehearted. The thing with intimacy is that it stretches our spiritual capacity. Huh. You get into God's presence and you read his word and you praise him and you worship him and you see him for who he really is and he begins to show you who you are and you're stretching your spiritual capacity. You're not becoming a fat Christian, you are growing. Some of us just are comfortable becoming fat. Grow. Don't grow. Okay, I, I didn't really... Let's drop that. But grow in the spirit. <laughs> yeah? Grow in the spirit. Because what happens is, the word of God says that he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There's the abiding. It's all locked up in intimacy. As I abide, God shows me his plans. He shows me who he is. And he matures me and he sends me out. But the people who know their Lord shall be strong and do great exploits. It's the knowing. If you know the Lord, God will bless you with the opportunity of doing great exploits for his kingdom. It's locked up in intimacy. 
No eye has seen, no ear heard, no the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for who? For who? Those who love him. Love without intimacy. Love without intimacy. What, what does that look like? It's cold. I don't know what Matt is saying. <laughs> is that a pun? <laughs> oh, yellow. And I found in my own life, I remember writing in my journal, I really love being in God's presence and I really love being in my room to a point where it really irks my friends. So my friends there, Nyameka, Nadi, and Yaks, they have to like say, Siko, we need to go for a coffee date. And I'm like, oh, I'm busy. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just spending time with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nyameka will tell me there are four, five, um, whatever dimensions of well-being, emotional, mental, spiritual. I'm like, yeah, but I'm just spending time with them. <laughs> so they really do a good job of, of getting me to participate because all of life is spiritual, eh? I really, I also need to work on that, eh? Because sometimes I do neglect my friends. But where I was going is that as I was spending time with the Lord, I, I remember writing, I'm like, this is a very awkward place to be because the more I spend time in his presence, the more I spend time with him, the more he leads me out. like that dad <laughs> at that point I'm like dad I really I just like being in my cocoon like can I just be here but that's the reality of walking in intimacy with God everything flows from intimacy and as you spend time with him as you pursue him as you pursue his word he leads you out one other thing that I realized when it comes to intimacy, is the fact that the more I spend time with God, the more I grew in my love for God, and the more I grew in the fear of God. Two sides of the same coin. Both geared to help you move towards obedience. And remember what we said earlier. True intimacy is expressed in obedience. We need to learn to honor and submit to the Lordship of God. For a long time, a long time in my spiritual walk, I was cute, I was a Christian, I was spirit-filled. And I had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit didn't have me. Yes, you might have the Holy Spirit, but does he have your life? 
Does he have you? Does he have every room in your heart and in your life? And as we surrender every area, God, I trust that you are sovereign. You are king. Take this area. And he leads you to lay down every area. Ah, oh, it was a battle. It was a battle. It started with Jesus telling me to dump my boyfriend. I was, Lord... Do you know the plans I have for us? <laughs> plans to prosper us and to give us a... I was like, uh-uh, Jesus, I think, I think you just... You do not know the plans I have for me and this man. <laughs> it was Aina. God said, do you not trust me? Do you not trust me? And till this day, he challenges me day in, day out. And I learn to lay down everything. As he shows me, I lay it down. Sometimes I'm like, God, I don't even understand why this. I remember he told me to change my car. <laughs> Lord, do you know I can pay this car? <laughs> Oh, now, seriously, like, like, what does this even look like? Like, I, seriously, Lord, why? It's not like I'm struggling to pay the car off. And that car, I actually saw a girl drive in varsity with that car, that my first car. And I'm not, not a car person. So when I saw it, I was like, yes, that's the car. I'll get it when I work. My first month of work, I was like, okay, great. I need to go get a car. I went to go get a car. I was like, this is the car I want. Can I just sit on the seat? I've never even researched another car. Okay, I can fit my pedals. Yes, I'll take it. So I had had my mind on this car, like, for a long time. And after two years, God's like, girl, I want you to change your car. Like, Jesus, I go to the Eastern Cape. I have to be comfortable when I drive home. Meanwhile, I fly home. <laughs> you give God all the excuses of why you can't do what he's telling you to do. And I remember waking up the one day. I just woke up. And I went to the dealership. And I was like, okay, I need to change my car. Okay, ma'am, what can we find? Why? I'm like, no, I just need to change it because Jesus, you know. <laughs> and guys... The beauty of it, the lady that gave me the new car had actually downloaded Hillsong music on my flash deck that came with the second car. She just said, I just felt that I needed to download just this, you know, and it's obviously a big gamble for her. But she also trusted the Lord. I was there trusting the Lord. And yeah, now I drive my little car. And God was so good. There's so many testimonies financially that actually came out of that one step of obedience and submission. I actually found out that they were, uh, my, the car dealership was charging me 1.5 grand extra each month for two years. So I got a cash back. I was like, Jesus! 
He's like, trust me. I know what I'm doing. God is so good. And really my desire is that we would have a revelation of his lordship. We need a revelation of his lordship. Because if the issue of lordship is not settled, we have a lot of issues. We will come to church and we will sing songs and we will hunger for God and we will cry out for him. But we will never really experience the depth of what it is like to know him if we do not surrender. And the thing is, also obedience without intimacy is just as dangerous. That becomes legalism. You're just doing, 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 but it's not from a place of relationship. And some of us need to ask ourselves, have I just been doing things because it's the right thing to do? Or is it actually born out of a place of relationship and a desire of knowing God and knowing his heart? I was chatting to my friend earlier in the morning, and I was just running through some of the points for the sermon. I think obedience without intimacy is like an awkward hug. You're just doing it, but there's no relationship. You know most of those, and guys, I know some of us are brilliant huggers, and that's fine. Some of us don't experience awkward hugs. But like, you know when it's really awkward, and it's just like, you're just doing it because it has to be done. And I'm a hugger. I really love hugs, so that's why I think that was the closest thing I could <laughs> think of. But God wants more for us than that. He wants us to know him. And the things that we do flow out of that place. The joy of doing all that God tells you to do. The joy of feeling and experiencing his pleasure when you obey is just amazing. The freedom that you experience when you begin to submit your life to God is amazing. And the thing is, the enemy tries to tell us that the more we do things for ourselves, the more we focus on ourselves, the more freedom you have. It's a lie. True freedom is experienced when you begin to lay your life down and you begin to submit to what God wants for you, and you begin to submit to his plans for you, and you realize that his plans are good, and that he's, he actually does things in a way that is exceedingly more than what you could have thought or imagined. You're like, I can't believe it. It is so much better your way, Jesus. What's your life song? What is your life song? For a long time, I was singing, I want it my way. Versus, it's so much better your way. I remember God telling me, Siko, you are not your own. 
you are not your own. And that wrecked me because up until that point, all I had known was the love of God. Because when God chased me down and revealed himself to me for the first time, I was 13 years old and I had been attending youth and I'd never really known God as a personal God. I only knew him as being real. Oh, yeah, he's like he guards, you know, the universe. He's out there. I never knew that he was a personal God. And he said one thing to me at 13 years of age. I love you. God told me he loved me. And I was never the same again. I tasted a freak, just a bit of what he had for me in that moment. And I was never able to step away from that again. Even when I thought, God, I'm just doing my own thing. My heart was longing for Jesus because the only thing that could satisfy me was him. And if we don't have a revelation of God's love for us, we need to ask him. We need to ask him to reveal his love to us. And then after going through that rebellion phase, and then God told me, Siko, you're back now, and I'm glad. But this time you're old enough to understand that you don't belong to yourself. So the boyfriend must go. Really? The series must go. Really? I'm now walking in some of the fruit of the obedience that I did at that time. 13 years, I remember my youth pastor saying, Siko, I see you speaking in front of people. He was praying for me. And I said to him, Mark, I, I think I just finished singing. <laughs> I think you've got the wrong person. God took me on a journey and he taught me and he continues to teach me to lay down. And some things want to, you know, come back up again. And he teaches me to lay those things down again. And because of that, God is using me in ways that I could not have even thought were possible. And he wants the same for you. There's this thing that tends to happen where we want to choose to partially obey God and we think it's okay. We're comfortable with just doing a bit of what Jesus says we must do and not everything. And one of the most frustrating stories that I experience in the word of God is the book of Judges. Oh, the Israelites. So God sends Caleb and, and just, uh, he sends Joshua, guys, go conquer 
the promised land and kill everyone and everything that is in there because I know that if you don't eradicate everything, you're going to be led astray. So make sure that everything dies. And the Israelites decide that they're going to just follow half of that. It's, no it's not long before those seeds of what those um, different tribes actually started rearing their heads and started coming to life and growing and growing and actually leading them astray. And every time they led to disobedience because they will only follow half of what God has said. He said, kill everything. Partial disobedience is not going to work, guys. God knows what is good for us. When he says those series, or when he says that car must go, it doesn't help to just do half the thing. Because it leads to compromise. And eventually compromise will lead to disobedience. Um, the last thing that I really have on my heart is around the mission that we have. I remember in November last year, God started asking me, Sika, do you hear the call of the harvest? And I said, at that point, I, my heart actually started to break in a very new way for people who are lost and people that do not know God. And at that point, I really started reading and, and just asking the Lord to help me. Help me, God, to hear this call that the harvest is sending out. And as I was just thinking about how to close the sermon, I was thinking that we are sent ones. Had God, be, had God been done with us and done with our lives, he would have, just after salvation, he would take us straight to heaven. But we are here for the sake of others. And I almost heard a cheeky question in my head, like, okay, Siko, now that you get, really get that the fact that you are sent once, whose will are you doing? <laughs> so now I'm sending you guys out Whose will are you doing out there? Are you doing your own thing? We cannot be effective ministers of the gospel if we are doing our own thing. The world and people can tell 
what is genuine and what is not genuine. They will just say, send back to sender. <laughs> Return back to sender because clearly this person doesn't know what they're doing. They've got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. They're just like us. Just return to sender, please. We are sent ones. God is establishing his kingdom. He has a will and he has a purpose for our lives. That purpose and that will might be in your workplace. Someone shared it during intercession. That God has plans for each and every one of us. And those plans will be in different spheres of influence. We are sent ones where you're at. We are all in full-time ministry. We need to embrace our identity and our purpose in God. If we don't, we've got generations and nations that are at stake. Your obedience or your disobedience impacts nations and generations. I went home this uh, about two weeks ago. I've been praying for my family for years and years and years. And part of the reason I believe that I turned my back on the Lord and I became ashamed of the Gospels because I wasn't even normal in my own house. And I knew my family loved me, but they just didn't understand me. People like, whoa, there she goes. Or like something would happen there. No, Siku, you pray, you pray. And like, I'm like 12 and I'm just like, can you just not put so much? Of, like it's like, okay, all the aunts and all the uncles, all of a sudden now I need to pray. I'm like, you're supposed to pray. You're the adult. And I just felt like there, it was just so much. And I just got so ashamed. And God brought me back and I've really been praying so diligently for my family and I got back home and I was with my um, sister, my twin sister and my brother-in-law and we were just watching TV, relaxing. So I went off just to the restroom and I came back and I'm like, everything's off. TV's off. I'm like, okay guys, I thought we were watching TV. And they're like, no, it's prayer time now. <laughs> I'm like, Sigo, can you please lead us in a song? I was like, I better think of a song quickly just in case they change their minds. And then we're like, <laughs> we sang and we worshipped. My brother-in-law's like, okay, I'm going to read the word for us now. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> hey? And he reads the word and I'm still like, hey, okay. And now we're like, okay, we're all going to pray together. My sister starts praying and everyone's praying and they're like walking around praying. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That was my only prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They found their place in Christ. My nephew was praying. He's four. The other day told me, Auntie, I want to see Jesus' face. See, I've never seen Jesus' face. I was like, baby, you ask Jesus. Ask him to show you his face. My nephews, generations and nations are walking in the fruit of what you decide to do. 
my family, my neighbor, they're all going to grow up knowing Jesus. It's not going to be unfamiliar as it was with me. And that's a joy for me. But whose will are you going to do as a sent one? Do you know his ways? Because you might know that God wants to reap the harvest. But if you don't know his ways for the time, then you're going to have a challenge. And the only way we can really get to know God's will and we can know God's way is through intimacy. Getting to know the heart of God. Getting to know what he wants for you, what he wants for the people around you, what he wants for this nation. What he wants for this world. And that's where I'm going to end off and just really want us to, yeah, just pray. And, and, and there's the people that are highlighted who might have been feeling shame about the fact that they've been struggling to connect. They've been struggling in this area of intimacy. And you really desire, you really desire to know the Lord. And I really believe God wants to set you free tonight. I believe that he wants you to be encouraged. That if you seek him and you continue to seek him and you don't grow weary, he will meet you. You've been looking around when people are worshiping and you're like, yo, they're having a good time. Dad, I really want that. What about me? God's going to set us free tonight from that shame. That disappointment. Like, God, I'm always stepping in. I'm always stepping out in faith. Trusting that today, I'm really going to encounter you. He wants to meet with each and every one of us. And then there's another group of us who God wants to set you free from fear. You've been fearful that your life will fall short of your expectations if you give Jesus everything. He wants to release faith that you would know that his plans and his purposes are good for you. You've been scared that if you completely obey and submit to what God has been calling you to do, that your life will be substandard. That was a fear of mine for, long, for a long time. Even with the boyfriend, issue, I was like, God, don't you know the plans? God says, I know better. And the reason we're so scared is because we are not trusting him. And he really desires for us to start walking in intimacy so that he can build trust. 
you're like thinking, if I really work hard and I get good grades and I get a good job, I'll be happy. I'm fine with that. But God wants so much more for you. He will provide for everything that he calls you to do. We have so many excuses. I also just sense the Lord saying to me, he knows you. He created you. He knows you by name. He knows what he's called you to. Even before you were formed in your mom's womb, he had a plan for your life. He had prepared good works for your life. He knew what color of skin you would be, what hair you would have, what color your eyes would be. He knew the circumstances you would be born into. He knew who your parents would be. He knew what struggles you would face. There's nothing about you that he does not know. Yet, his plans are good. His ways are so much higher. He works out everything for the good of those who love him. So if you really have been experiencing a fear in your heart about your future, and you've been struggling to say yes to God in some areas, I really believe that he, he wants that part of your heart. He's calling some of us to lay things down tonight. There's some things we need to lay down tonight. It might seem insignificant to you, but it's compromise. And compromise eventually leads to disobedience. We're laying things down on the altar tonight. tiring trying to run your own life he is Lord he is Lord and everything in this entire earth belongs to him even the people that are in it and oftentimes we don't believe he's sovereign we don't believe he's in control because of the circumstances around us because of what we're seeing is happening in the world. We're like, God, you can't be in control. But I want to remind you. I want to remind you of some stories in the Bible where God is always defying the natural laws. When he decides to show up and show his lordship, when he sends Daniel into the den and the he sends the lion into the den. Like God doesn't take the lions like don't send poor Daniel into the den. It's like I'm Lord over Daniel. I'm Lord even of that lion. So I will shut the lion's mouth. I'm Lord. He defies everything. That's the very same reason Jesus could sleep on the boat. He is Lord 
over the wind. He is Lord over the waves. He is Lord over your life. And it's often so easy for us to receive God as Savior. But we receive Him as Lord and Savior. His Lordship can't just be something that we say as a sign of respect when we're praying. Dear Lord, we need to act it out. We need to act like he is Lord. We need to acknowledge that he is Lord. And so in response to that, we'll be submitting some things tonight. Saying, God, I want what you want for my life. I refuse to waste dethroning some things tonight. Things that have been sitting on the throne of God in our hearts that are not supposed to be there, they are coming down tonight. Lord, my heart has been in things but not in you. Lord, my heart has been in my studies but not in you. My heart has been in my finances, in my friendships, in my relationships, but not in you. It's been divided, but I want what you want for my life. I remember in 2016, God telling me, Seagull, you're going to start dreaming my dreams for Lord I want what you want for my life I had decided to go into the workplace and, and I really feel called to be in marketplace ministry at this point in time but a part of me was so scared to be anything else like God I'm good with people let me just do the whole corporate thing that that's comfortable to me I know I can achieve that I can do it in my own strength and God was like Siko you need to start dreaming my dreams do not act from a place of fear because you're scared now you're choosing this road some people are called to travel the road less traveled last group is around um, people who really want to be encouraged they've been submitting and they've been really pursuing the Lord and pursuing intimacy and pursuing Lordship but things happen we get discouraged even Paul says that if we if we uh, suffer if, if we Go if, if we enjoy his joy and we also have to fellowship with him in his suffering. And you've been experiencing a bit of that suffering. God really wants to encourage you tonight. He's so pleased. He's so 
so pleased and He loves you very much. He delights in you. And this sermon, guys, is not a sermon to say we must do things to get to God. We must obey and become legalistic to get to God. Saying God loves you. He loves you so much. Loves you so much that he doesn't want you to settle for anything less than his best. So, I don't know who prays, Matt. I don't know. Les? I don't know how you want to do it, but... Um, I think it would be very important if you, you pray for us, but I think it just felt... Um, especially those people that you wanted to lay things down, I think we'll prophetically do it. We don't have a lot of space in front here, but I think where you're sitting, just standing on your knees and just lay things down um, as the Lord showed you during the sermon. But uh, I just I felt like, yeah, you should pray especially for um, the people that you felt that have been ashamed of not being intimate with the Lord. Um, but I think it would be really important as well for people to take ownership of the unctioning that the Spirit is bringing. Because we're not necessarily there in your room when you're struggling. We're not there um, when things are not going on. So it's, it's now to walk in your sonship. It's now to step, take that stand and take authority that Christ has given you, that claim for you on the cross. And we, we lay things down through Christ, through the Spirit of God. Um, God as a sign God of how things are bowing down to you God in this place right now God we just bow down God we respond God to the word Lord that you have spoken Lord and in Jesus name God we thank you Lord that we can tell shame to bow down to the king of kings right now in Jesus name Thank you, Lord, that you're setting people free, God, from the shame of feeling it's my fault. It's my fault. God says that if you seek him, you will find him. God is not hiding himself from you. His joy isn't being found. His joy isn't being found. His joy isn't you finding him. So Lord, in Jesus' name, God, all the things, God, that have led God and resulted, God, in the shame, God, that's created a prison for us, God, where we step in, God, and our minds are already start racing, God. Our minds already start racing, we quiet those thoughts now in Jesus' name. Every lie, God, that the enemy has whispered to us, God, that we are not worthy, we don't belong in your presence, God, that we failed in this thing too many times, we rebuke every lie now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, 
that your word says, God, even though the righteous man falls six times, in the seventh time he does rise again, God. And we declare, God, that as we run, God, for your kingdom, God, as we run towards you, King Jesus, as we run for your glory, God, that every time we fall down, God, we will get back up again. We thank you, Lord, that you set us free, God, right now, God. That freedom reigns in this place, God. Freedom from fear, God. Freedom from fear, God. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And in Jesus' name, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to our mind, God. And through the truth of your word, God, that you would renew our mind and help us and give us vision for all that you're calling us into, God. Give us vision, Lord, for the spaces that you're calling us into. Give us vision, God, for the harvest, God. Give us vision, God, for this nation, God, that we will not be ruled by fear, God. Thank you, Lord, that in your presence, fear can't stay. In your presence, shame can't stay, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, God. Teach each of us, God, to love you with everything with all that we are, with our entire lives. Help us to love your presence, God. To be at home in your presence, God. Help us, God, to accept God and to find freedom, God, in your rule and your reign over us, God. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, God, for the eternal work that you're doing in each of our hearts tonight, God. You don't do temporary things, God. You do an eternal work in us, God, and you will see it to completion. the spirit to fight God for your presence in our lives. Remind us, Lord, of even the dreams and the purposes that you have for us, Lord. Come minister fresh, God, your identity over us, Lord, and your purposes. Jesus.